I was here seven years ago, like Pastor said, and the weather got a lot like this. <laughs> I was like, oh no, we want to have church. Um, but we got to spend time together, and it was a providential moment, honestly. We could not step into the greatest season of our lives without you. And the last time we were here, I told you about 10 times in a row, because sometimes you don't hear me. <laughs> I said, we couldn't do this without you. You were intentionally ignoring me, but I made sure you heard it. We could not do this without you. Thank you. Thank you. The investment, the deposit, the love that we feel when we come here is unmatched. And when we leave here, we feel rich. And we're not. <clears throat> but we feel rich because of your love. Thank you for a true pastor's heart, both of you, for actually loving people for not being more concerned with platforms and pulpits than people. It is a reminder to me of what this is really about. It's about God's people and your incredible examples. I just have my phone out and I'm taking notes all day. And uh, I'm just, I really can't say it enough. I'm, I'm so thankful for you both, for this team. Pastor Steven Vigales here. Sometimes I just want to roll something when I say your last name. I don't know. The Godless. It just feels like something should be rolled. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, under the commission of Pastor Jacob, <laughs> you have been such a great supporter. So encouraging, so kind, and I'm thankful for you. Grateful for Pastor Joseph up in here. Campus pastor. Swag Pastor. I was thinking tonight, man, like the first time we came here, we just, it was like six of us in a hotel room just writing songs. What a different season of life. <laughs> Thank God we made it. Praise him. But you're incredible, dude. I love you, man. And um, I'm excited to see what God does in your life here and in this city. Um, I won't belabor the point any longer, uh, but I did come here to preach if that's okay. All right. See, preaching requires a few things. God, unfortunately for you, me, <laughs> and you. So we won't get through this without us being together in it. I'm going to read God's word, Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 19. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, 
you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. Isn't that beautiful? His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. By request and by commission tonight, I'm going to preach, I still love the church. I still love the church. Would you pray with me, Jesus? I thank you for your word. I pray that there would be a download from heaven that deposits a supernatural love into your people for your people. I pray that the same passion and commitment that you have to your people would be transferred tonight. Open our hearts to receive what it is that you have to say. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and the church said, amen. I still love the church, y'all. Things like this get me hype out of my mind. I, I, I went to the hotel today expecting to take a nap, and I closed my eyes for about 15 minutes because I could not wait to get into this room with all of you. Because I just happen to believe that when the people of God get together with their eyes focused on Jesus, supernatural things are possible. My life has been changed in atmospheres like this. Hasn't always been like this though. Now I was about nine years old and my dad absolutely destroyed my idea of a relaxing weekend. He came home and he said, Ren! His voice isn't that high pitched. I just wanted to see what I got. <laughs> he said, Ren, we're going to church tomorrow. I said, sir, like you and me are going to church? He said, oh yeah, you and me, man, we're going to church. I, all these thoughts raced through my mind. I thought, Dad, people like us don't go to church. See, my family put the fun in dysfunctional, okay? I thought we was always just having a party because people were screaming and loud and it was ridiculous and there were flashing lights and then I just realized it's the police at the crib. We don't go to church. Family was broken. Parents didn't live together. This, this, this was a crazy thought. And he said, well, we're going to go, and before we go, I'm going to get you some new, some new threads. 
I said, all right, let's, let's get it. Where are we going? He said, J.C. Penny. I said, say less. This was in 1996, y'all. J.C. Penny was popping. <laughs> J.C. Penney was popped. I walked in that mug. It, quit. it was like it was a magnetic force that pulled me to this navy blue blazer with gold buttons on it with some khaki pants. I thought, Ooh, I'm gonna look smooth in this. Then we went downtown Battle Creek, Michigan, and I grabbed these little suede shoes with rust red bottoms, put them on in Sunday morning. I was usher gliding into that church. I mean, I was just... I was so, I was swagged out, y'all. And there was an old man preaching behind the pulpit. I don't remember anything he said, but he was mad about it. Oh, it was ticked. No one can be more mad looking than a Christian. <laughs> it's true. If you got your feelings hurt, it's you. Smile. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit, not seriousness, just so y'all know. So, so uh, this was a place that I had never experienced before. I felt like I had showed up somewhere where someone had been waiting for me. I felt like there was people who actually cared about me and believed in me and saw things in me that I did not see in myself. It absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. That summer, I went to church camp. Now, all y'all young folk in here, y'all church camp bougie. <laughs> no. We didn't go to the same camps, man. We didn't go to the same camps. My son went to a camp recently. It was ridiculous. He got glow sticks and candy and all this stuff. I thought by the end of it, he's going to be on go-karts and zip lines, and they're going to be having frappuccinos, and the girls are getting mani-pedis after Bible study. It's ridiculous. This is not camp. For us, we had three things. Anointing oil. Sweat and basketball. Now that's why I'm a hooper, okay? It's, it was church camp, okay? None of you believe that. That's wild. That's wild. It's all right. It's all right. I'll see you outside. <laughs> I'll see you right outside in the cold. But I remember responding to an altar call. God filled me with his spirit and it transformed my life. I got the opportunity recently to go back to that campground to walk into that tabernacle. That's how you know you churchy <laughs> when you've been to a tabernacle. <laughs> what did he say? God bless you, sir. <laughs> Went down to that little spot where God met me and just thought about all of the moments that he's kept me. That same year at church camp, I got my first solo in the choir. 
Now, I was a little nine years old, a little, little beige touring, just, just in the choir, just excited to be there. My three-piece olive green suit, you feel? Yeah. <laughs> tie, tie bar, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know about tie bars. <laughs> Singing my little solo. And it was the first time that I felt my soul aligned with a gift in service of the giver for the ministry of the church. Life-changing. That was 27 years ago, and I still love the church. I still love it. I've been to a 1,000 conferences, a 1,000 camp meetings, a thousand religious services and prayer meetings and foot washings. And I still love the church. I've seen the shadow side of church. Yes, God has used the church to help me discover my purpose for his glory. But also pain has come with it. Yeah, I felt the, the shadow side of this thing. I remember I started this little band. It's called Royal Taylor. We had our little songs and I wore red pants. It was a mistake. But we would travel around and sing songs and we ended up singing with a Baptist youth choir. And I love all my Baptist friends. I got Baptist friends. I love y'all, man, but I'm gonna tell on you real quick. <laughs> We were with the Baptist Youth Choir, and uh, the band would play, and then the choir would sing, and then we would do some songs with the choir, you know? So um, one of the songs that we had was called Make a Move. So I'd be up there, you know, eh, eh. I mean, it's called Make a Move. So I got to After the set, choir director said, hey, Torin, <laughs> let me talk to you real quick. They want you to do another song. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But could you not do any dance moves? I said, yes, sir, I can. But, you know, the song is called Make a move. I understand, I understand, but if you could just not, not do that. I said, all right, so I sit up there. When I make a move, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. You can't tell a black person to not move. That just, that's prison. That's, you don't understand what you're asking me to do, this is what I do. This is. We ended up getting canceled from youth events. We were so excited because we went to our booking agency and we're like, we've played 200 shows, youth groups, churches all over America. Wow, that's incredible. They started calling those people to see if we could come back. Nah. Too much dancing. Have you realized with dancing in church, we want everyone else to be good except the people who dance? 
Like, I want you to be a good singer. I want you to be a good photographer. I want you to get good video. I want all your good creative gifts. But if you dance well, it's wrong. You can only dance if it's bad in church. (laughs) You haven't experienced that. That's all right. Then on a deeper level, I've, I've, I've felt the sting of this thing. I've shared this with you guys before when Lorna and I got married, we had a hundred people leave the church we were on staff at because they disagreed with interracial relationships. So we got wedding invitations from people we stood next to in choir and worked with in Sunday school, invitations sent back to us so that they could voice their disdain with this union. I've been hurt by this, guys. And I'm a little funnier than usual for some reason tonight. I don't know what it is. There's just... But the pain has been real. You know what it's like to walk into a room and just assume people don't like you and you have no control over the reason why? Can you imagine walking into a place that's supposed to be known for love, kindness, compassion, understanding, peace, only to feel rejected, marginalized, and pushed to the outside? But you know what Lorna and I did? We just kept showing up. We just kept showing up, worshiping God, praising God, serving God, because we love the church. I've been bruised by the church. I've had friends who walked away from the church. I've been shocked by the headlines that sometimes surround the church. I've been confused by the politics that infiltrate the church. I don't understand how people who claim to carry the cross of Jesus Christ have the energy or the audacity to hurl stones of judgment at their brothers or sisters who are doing it differently while they proclaim to love Jesus. But I still love the church. I've realized you can't judge the minority who are doing it wrong by the majority who are trying to do it right. You have to be willing to extend the same grace for their faults as you expect to receive for your own. You have to, the scripture says, make room for the faults of others. That means that people will be at fault. That in this thing called the church that is filled with fragmented 
broken people, you are going to bump up against people that scrape you and bruise you. But God is putting this thing together. It's fitly framed together. He's building it on his cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this imperfect, under construction, continually growing church of the living God. I still love the church. I still love the church because it's outlasted kingdoms and empires. It has outlasted persecution and sabotages from within it. It has traversed continents and countries. It has transcended kingdoms and cultures from its inception on the day of Pentecost. It has been moved along by the breath of heaven to accomplish the mandate to preach Christ Jesus crucified, buried, resurrected, and seated at the right hand of God. I still love the church. The church is not dead. The church is not atrophied. The church is not irrelevant. The church is alive in New Iberia. The church is alive in Lafayette. The church is alive in Opelousas. The church is alive in the state of Louisiana because there is a people who have been called by his name to declare his greatness. I still love the church. Give God praise for his church. Give God praise for his church. I still love the church because the church is not a political platform. Jesus did not come to establish a voting block. He doesn't need votes. He's the king of kings. There is this thing called nation, and we're grateful for our country. I love it. I've been other places. I love it here. But you know what I love more? The kingdom. I love the kingdom more than anything else because that's what Jesus loves more than anything else. He doesn't have favorites in the world. He did. The Jewish people were his favorite. Scripture's clear. But God has now given us the opportunity to be in the same line and lineage accepted into this special people that he doesn't call by country, he calls by name. Paul said there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Some of y'all don't believe me, it's in your Bible. Slave or free. Because when the blood of Jesus was shed, it was shed to disperse the differences and divisions that exist between you and I. Now, I know that I'm preaching in this room on whatever day this is in January, but I'm also preaching to the future because I know what year it is. And I know what this year holds. And I know what the world needs. And it's not a divided church. It's a unified church. 
It's the church that believes the best, hopes the best. It's a church that doesn't get on Facebook. Facebook about to be the ghetto. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. But why don't we settle this now? We're together. We're kingdom. We're church. And I'm not going to get into somebody's comment section and obliterate the faith we both share by a bad testimony with a bad spirit defending something God has already decided on. I still love the church. I love the church because it's not a museum filled with ancient relics of what God used to do. It's alive now, active now, relevant now, more than ever to the world. I love the church because the church is not a showroom for pretty, perfect people. If you find the perfect church, don't go. You'll mess it up. (laughs) This is a hospital for the broken. The whole need not a physician. This is a place for the desperate to find Jesus. For the hopeless to find hope. I love the church because this isn't just some empty ritualistic routine. We're not here trying to check a box on a Monday night in sub-zero temperatures. (laughs) We're here because we're passionate about knowing God. That this is, we understand, this is the living, breathing bride of Christ. And we should be pinching ourselves every time we get the opportunity to walk through these doors. Thank you, God, for choosing me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But you freely gave life to me. I can give you Sunday. If we can't give God Sunday morning, how will we ever give him our whole lives? I still love the church. The church is not the equivalent of a standard philanthropic nonprofit organization. I love those, they're amazing, they're amazing partners. We've got friends that run organizations. We're so grateful for them. There is one organism, organization, that has been assigned by heaven to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples, it's the church. The church is the imperfect amplifier of truth. At our best, we are a symbol of love. 
a conduit of mercy, a lighthouse of hope at our best. I still love the church. I still love the church because Jesus loves the church. I know we understand it intellectually, but can we receive it emotionally? Jesus loves the church. I will build my church. I, the church belongs to Jesus. Will, the church is the work of Jesus. Build, the church is the purpose of Jesus. My, the church is the prize of Jesus. Church, the church is the bride of Jesus. How could I live my life for anything less than what Jesus has his own hands on and heart in to build? I still love the church. I still love the church because God uses the church to bring me into his presence. When I need an encounter with God, when I'm limping in my faith, when I need to be encouraged by the word of someone else, I've got to get to church. I still love the church because I still need the church. I need this. You don't graduate out of needing Christ's body, who is now the church. I don't care how many degrees you get, how much money you make, how many titles you have. You don't graduate or mature out of this need for the church. Jesus went to church. When they lost Jesus when he was little, where did they find him? The next time that we see Jesus, he walks into a synagogue, he opens up the scriptures, and the scripture says in Luke 4.16, as was his custom on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. So we have a snapshot of Jesus as a little boy, and we have a picture of him at about 33 years old, and, or 30 years old, and here we see Jesus in the same place. So from his childhood, he made a routine, a rhythm, a tradition, a custom to show up at church. If God shows up at church, if Jesus went to church, how much more important is it for me to be in his house with his people? We look at the scriptures, Acts 2, God breathes life into his church. And it says that they continued with one accord, meeting daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house. 
the conversation of this time is, well, do we just watch from home? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the interwebs. I think it's wonderful. The internets is great. It's great. Do we watch from home? Or do we get into the house? See, the New Testament church would say, it's not either or, it's both. You can't live out your faith genuinely and only show up on Sundays. You can't live out your faith genuinely and never show up on Sundays. So we see that church gathering together is the New Testament church's priority. It is also Jesus' priority. Jesus went to church. The New Testament believers went to church. Paul started, planted, and pastored churches. A quarter of the Bible is God's instruction to churches. And yet the average gung-ho, all-in church member attends church once every six weeks. That's us, fam. That's like the people who think we're here every week. And then you go start counting Sundays. Yeah, there was a hockey game that day. Yeah, I don't play no hockey. <laughs> but can I ask you, how can we expect God's provision and not share his priorities? Some folks are like, I want church like the old days. I want, I want what they used to do. I want Book of Acts church. You do? Because it says daily. <laughs> you don't want that smoke. <laughs> we want the New Testament church's power, but we don't share their priorities. So if it's once every six weeks, that's eight times a year. So think about y'all with kids. They're here in an environment, an atmosphere like this, being taught the world through the lens of the word. Eight times a year. I don't care if my sons can make right-handed or left-handed layups if they don't have a grasp on God's view of the world. I would rather them be the worst player on their baseball team than the worst person in the world. I know I wasn't going to get much on that, but I'm leaving tonight, so I might as well just say what the scripture says. And here's my, here's my concern. My kids play all the sports. They do all of the things. We just figure it out, okay? We just figure it out. Um, so there's no condemnation about that. Y'all do your thing. What I'm trying to prevent 
is us criticizing in 15 years the generation we raised. I can just, I can see the bloggers and the YouTubers and all the people that like to build platforms and tearing other Christians down. I can hear them just critiquing the alpha generation and Generation Z talking about they don't really know the Bible. Sad, sad, sad. They don't know the Bible. Texting your 17-year-olds on Sunday morning, hey, you, you coming to church? And their reply is, oh, y'all went? And then we're going to criticize them. They don't know the Lord like we do. Just pray for my babies. Pray for my babies. We would love to bring them to church. Let's not raise a generation who doesn't know the Lord and then criticize them for it when it happened on our watch. You want your kids to love God? You want your kids to love people? You want your kids to love the word? You want your kids to love the church? You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love this. You gotta read this. You gotta live, you gotta turn on worship music and torn wells. You, you gotta. Turn it on. Turn it on. This old flesh, man, this old flesh, this old flesh. I still love the church because God uses the church to connect us to our purpose. I didn't discover anything that I had potential to do at high school or middle school. Thank you, son. He believes that word. <laughs> My gifts were discovered, developed, and distributed within the context of the local church. Why should we have to send out our best and our brightest into the world to become? When we have access to their creator, we have the blueprint for their design. All they need is the room to develop. Would you accept a worship service that wasn't as good, but we're developing a 14-year-old? I don't want to get so good at church that there's not room for my kids in it. I got, I got four little boys. I want space for them. I understand excellence and all that. I want my kids to love Jesus. The only reason I'm here today is because I served at my church. 
through the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the difficulties, the failures. It was that I got to be there. That kept me in the building until my heart caught up with my activity. Establish the pattern now and let the motivation catch up. God uses the church to connect us to our purpose. This is a guitar string. I have to tell you, it's a guitar string because the name lets you understand the context for which it was created. This string, I guess, could have many uses. Could use it for a lot of different things, I guess. I mean, I have four kids and an imagination, so if I could just get a 10-minute break by just tying them, just, <laughs> just five minutes, bro, I need five minutes. Maybe if you were a musician, you were balling on a budget, and there's a little girl, you know, a little shoddy, little bay, you know what I'm saying? A little, little, some little dime piece, you know what I'm saying? A little, 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 little short stack, you know, if you, 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 you feel me? There's a little girl you want to talk to? A wife, guys. A wife. If there was a woman you wanted to marry, okay? Clarity, clarity, clarity. I guess you could cut this down and make it a little, you know what I'm saying? A little engagement ring. It'd be so creative. It'd be sweet. And if, and if you were a girl that likes musicians, that's probably all you can look forward to. <laughs> right, Lorna? That's right. Yeah. About it. Hope you like that. <laughs> all Lorna's friends are upgrading their rings. I was like, girl, you better like what you got. <laughs> you feel me. You could use this for a lot of things. But it has one purpose. Step into the light, my son. Clint, <laughs> come on, Clint. You could use it for a lot of different things, but it has one purpose. That was not my ringtone. <laughs> Guys, know your audience. Play us a little something, Clint. Play us, play us just a... Come on! All right, my turn. This is a new song called Jailbreak. This string has the same potential these strings have, but it cannot access its potential until it's connected to something greater than itself. So many people in the world today are content to just be isolated 
and alone because they feel free. I'm free. I'm free. I just get to do my thing. You know, Jesus just loves me and I'm, I'm free out here. You're free, you think. But this is not something that defines you, confines you. It's something that liberates you in your purpose. I'm about to preach this thing. The problem in our culture is we value autonomy over attachment. Because we think getting connected will limit us. Who's more limited, this or that? Play. That's the sound of freedom. That's the sound of purpose. It comes from connection. But this guitar has an anatomy to it. This is the headstock. This is the body. In order for this string to make sound, it has to be connected to the headstock and it has to be connected to the body. A lot of modern day spirituality is connected to headstock. Jesus is the head of the church and the church is now his body. A lot of people think it's sufficient just to be connected to Jesus. Me and Jesus got a thing going on. Me and Jesus are connected. Me and Jesus, you know, I just got my own little thug thizzle going on with Jesus. That's my boy. Jesus is my homie. Y'all remember those t-shirts? They just connected to Jesus. Adam had God, and God was not enough. It wasn't good enough. He created community, and it's the same with us. We have to be connected to the head, which is Christ, and to the body to experience our divine design to access our divine design. We gotta be connected to Jesus and connected to the thing that Jesus cares about. This is the issue. In our culture, we idolize individualism. We idolize individualism. And when individualism is your highest value, you cannibalize everyone else around you and build a prison of loneliness and then call it success. That's what you get when you choose you. But when you choose the body, you get access to everything you were created for. The musicians can come. You know what has to happen for this string to operate in its purpose? Oh, I'm not done, Clint. 
Come on. Keep that thing on. This string has to be put in tension. It has to be stretched. It has to be cut. And it has to be put in great tension to be in tune with its purpose. Many of us don't like church because it puts us in tension. I don't like how he said that. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that decision. I disagree with that statement. We don't want to feel tension. That's why a lot of us break up with the person you're supposed to be with too soon because there's tension. But if you run from tension, you will never find God's intention for your life. Where you feel the tension is where you find your purpose. Maybe God has given you the ability to see a problem, not to complain about it, but to solve it. Here's the reality of the situation. Many of us have had to overcome and fight hell just to keep showing up on Sundays because of the pain we've experienced at the hands of those who claim to follow Jesus. And I know that there are enough people in this room for it to be true that there are so many of you carrying years of hurt and pain, some inflicted intentionally and some unintentionally. Just one look, just one word that wasn't spoken, one thing you weren't invited to, And it makes the whole well bitter. And it's my fear that you will lose out on all of the beautiful relationships 
and fulfillment that await you in your future because you are not willing to release a past hurt or a past offense. How about as you move into spiritual renewal this week, we make a decision to release whoever hurt you, whoever wounded you, whoever took advantage of you, whoever looked down on you, abused you, made you feel less than, and believe that God is who he says he is. And although this thing is under construction, when he presents it, it will be perfect. And you want to be a part of God's perfected church. Would you stand with me? And I just want to give you the liberty right now just to, in prayer, release those people. Release those situations. God, you know those conversations that I had that could have marred my calling and marred my purpose. God, you saw when those individuals were taking advantage. And yet you have grace for them. God, give me your grace for them. I don't wanna carry this bitter root into my future, poisoning every sweet thing in my life Would you make bitter water sweet again? That when we walk into atmospheres like this and we connect with people like this, that we would be able to let our guard down, that we would actually let people love us, let people bring us in close, not having to wonder what are their motivations, what are their intentions. Send the right people into our lives and remove the wrong ones. Give us a love for your church. Let us fall in love with it to the degree that you love it. We surrender this area of our lives. There has been a stronghold of comfort over our lives since COVID that if anything feels uncomfortable, we push it away. But your calling is not to comfort. It's to sacrifice. It's to surrender. It's to obedience. So stir our hearts tonight, God. Renew that love and passion. 